Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. All right, we're going to be in Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 5 today. And there are Bibles under the chairs if you want to do that. You might have brought your Bible. You can use your phone. Acts, fifth book in the New Testament, chapter 5. I googled... A really bad day, right? I Google searched a really bad day. Here's just a couple of the images that came up. First one, stuck his head in a hole in a tree to take a look. Guess what he found? I think that would be a porcupine. A really bad day. The next one, I don't know, the next one kind of grabbed my heart. I went, oh, that would be a sad moment. Yeah, it got you too. Because, I, I mean, I'm not an artist, but I can only imagine if you worked that much on something like that, and I'm assuming, you know, it fell off the stand or something. like, oh, that's a bad day. Uh, I went a little deeper on the whole idea of bad day in a conversation this week with a few staff. We were just sharing lunch together, and I think I said, can you think of a day that you might title the worst day ever, okay? And one of them shared, it, was, it would be the day my mother was diagnosed with ALS, which is a degenerative uh, neurological disease. Another one, another person in regards to perhaps the worst day ever shared after she gave birth to one of her kids, she had a life-threatening blood clot and was interpreting through the doctors. Basically, they were saying, yeah, you might want to have conversations with all your family because you may not make it. And so she was like, that was, that's, that's a bad day. Um, some of you might right now, and maybe we should pause, because uh, I think sometimes when we even go there emotionally, there's some of you that right now you're thinking of that day or that time that it's going to be hard for you to recover even in this talk because you, it was really, really, really horrible. Maybe you're in the midst of it now. I know of a person with us today who's going through a really difficult season right now because of news that they just, you know, got in the last 24 hours. So it happens, okay? I want to make a shift here uh, and, and apply that same kind of a question to, have you ever had a really bad day in church? Now, there's three of you going, well, yeah, if this doesn't get any better, this <laughs> might be it. Is this all you got, buddy? Um, but have you ever had a really bad day in church? I was thinking of my church experience life, and after I became a Christian when I was 20, most of my days, well, I don't know that very many of them would be a really bad day in church. They've been good and helpful. Not perfect, but, but I thought of a couple times when we were doing church here and at the vineyard. One time we were doing a church service, and, the, and the, a storm went through, and the lights went out. It was just black in here with the little light. I thought, well, that wasn't a great day at church. Um, it was another, like, bad day at church. Oh, every once in a while, <laughs> if you've been around a long time, I'll say something extra stupid during a talk. Have you been there? Have anybody been there? Like, oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, do you want to tell me the story now? Or 
twice, at least twice in my ministry life, I have confused, I will be thinking about praying for someone either to be blessed or that God's best will come in their life, and I will end up praying about breast. I'll say something like, God, will you just breast him? And I'll be like, breast him? What does that even mean? Don't answer that prayer, God, about breasting this man, because that feels wrong. Those are bad days. Some of you are like, I don't understand it. Well, it's just bad moments in my own Christian life. One, one, the, the, one, I thought the worst moment we had in church years ago, maybe you were there. During the worship, there was a young, uh, happened to be a young lady over here who began to yell at people about not bringing their Bible and why aren't they singing? Were you here? Were you here during... It wasn't you. Was it you? Okay. <laughs> but is anybody else? Last night there was a person here and they were like, oh, I remember that. And it was a little frightening. Were you here? It was a little frightening and she was like, rah, 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 rah. So that wasn't a great moment. We tackled her. No, we didn't. <laughs> we talked to her. I don't think she came back though. Uh, bad days in church. So here's uh, why I bring that up. We're in this series called Audacity, Bold Acts of the Early Church. And for the most part, we're looking at, although really challenging things, most of the things we've been looking at are challenging in a good way, very helpful. Some of them are really exciting as we study the book of Acts. Today, I think this text would be listed as a pretty bad day in church because basically two people are going to die in church. And it's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Um, here's what's going on. Ministry is happening. Uh, it's a good season of expansion. A lot of people are coming to know Jesus Christ, be forgiven for their sin. They're joining the church, the, the, the ministry. There's also a specific season right here where a lot of people are being really generous towards helping the apostles and Christians uh, move the ministry forward. There's a huge heart for the poor. And so every so often in this time, somebody would sell like a piece of property. Maybe they were a little wealthy or they had extra. They would sell it and they would give all that money to help ministry move forward. So in that kind of a season, it's going on and that's the context, all right? And so let's read. I think it will, I think you'll be able to visualize what's going on here. So chapter 5, verse 1. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he, that's Ananias, kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles, those are the leaders of the church, it'd be like the pastors, uh, put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? 
What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Second half of the story. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Title of the talk this weekend is A Really Bad Day at Church. And the plan is to explore what went wrong here. Another way to put it is we're going to try to answer the question, what killed Ananias and Sapphira? Now, uh, part of the reason we're looking at this, if you don't know this, totally okay, but this might be helpful. God is not shy about sharing wonderful, encouraging, miraculous stories in the Bible, Bible, uh, Bible stories that inspire us to greatness. He also includes the crud, like bad stuff, sinful stuff, messy stuff. Part of the reason he does that is so that we will learn from the tragedy and not just the triumph kind of a thing. And so I'm convinced this is in here. This is in here that we might learn some stuff because it would be bad to die in church. Amen? Can I get an amen? Or it would be bad to put ourselves in a place where this kind of judgment would come. So I have got two lessons from this tragedy, and uh, let's pray. So, Father, uh, teach us some things that, will, that might be kind of a protective measure in our life. Uh, we don't want to see this happen. Uh, <laughs> we don't want to see this happen. Ta-da! We don't want to see this happen. And uh, so, will you teach us some lessons that will help? In Jesus' name, amen. So, I have two uh, uh, reasons that this tragedy happened. And anyway, the first thing, and you can write this down if you're here on site and have a handout. It says, this tragedy came from fake, from fake, that's what you can write down, fake spiritual depth. Fake spiritual depth. The idea that Ananias and Sapphira were trying to look like something that they weren't quite there yet. Let's see if you see this. Um, In verse 2, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but put the rest, and he put it at the apostles' feet. Um, Now, I want to pause here and do a little side note. I would submit to you, he didn't die because he kept some of his money for himself, okay? 
just so you know, this last week, if you got a paycheck, you can keep some of that money for yourself. Does that, does that make sense? It's okay. There are dozens of places we could go in the Bible that would teach, yes, we need to honor God financially, but many, 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 most of the time there's almost an expectation. You can keep some of this for yourself. You know, the tithe, which some of you've heard of, where you take 10% of your income, you give it to God, but 90%, that's for you. Uh, there's an example that I thought of in Luke chapter 19, where a man named Zacchaeus has this great encounter with Jesus, because Jesus says to him, I want to come to your house which you might want to study that, would, would, would have been kind of unique because a lot of spiritual, godly people would not have gone to Zacchaeus' house. But Jesus said, I want to come to your house. Long story short, uh, Zacchaeus' heart is changed, and he says, in the midst of the story, one thing that happens is he says, it says, uh, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. Jesus did not say, oh, sorry, it's not enough. We want it all to the poor. Does that make sense? He didn't confront him. In fact, he said, today's salvation has come to this house. So some of your money is for you. So that's not the issue of why uh, Ananias dies here. So what's the problem? The context here is that in these moments, when someone would take this offering, they would sell something and bring it at the apostles' feet and basically say, here, it was well known that when they said here, it meant all of the money that they made. We can go back in chapter 4 of this same book. This is the atmosphere of generosity that they're living in. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And then it tells a specific story of Joseph. It says, he sold a field he owned, brought the money, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it implies all of the money. So, here, when... I'll wrap this up. This is taking too long. Here, when Ananias says, here, everybody in the place would be thinking, how cool is this? Another deep, spiritual, generous person is sold, and he's given it all to God. That's a lie, because he's acting like one of those deep, spiritual people, but he's not there yet. So here's something you can write down. The problem wasn't their gift. It was their hearts. He's faking it. He's faking it. Another word that you may want to write out to the side, it's, I would apply to this kind of a situation, it's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is... A pretending to be what one is not. And that's not a good thing to do with God. Faking it is bad with God. Now, I was going to go on a little bit of a, a lesson here about don't fake it with God, don't fake it with God. But instead, what I want to do is lift up the value of being authentic with God. Okay? That's a good plan. Do you hear this? Here's a good plan for our lives. Be authentic. Be real 
with God. And to illustrate that, I want to look at arguably one of my favorite stories that Jesus tells. I relate to this story a lot. It's Luke 18, 10, describes two men. It says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, which was a super religious, especially outward appearance, super religious person. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector who would have been notoriously kind of sinful during Jesus' day. So two men go up to the temple to pray. One's a Pharisee, the other's a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Pause. Can I interject something? Be careful about thinking how much we're not like other people in terms that we're better than. Because mostly, now some of you, you, there might be little things that we're not like other Mostly, maybe I'll get an amen. Mostly we're a lot alike, you guys. Can I get an amen? Mostly, the Bible says no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Mostly, if I see somebody struggle, mostly I'm kind of as messed up as everybody else. Does that make sense? It's so, okay, so that's kind of, so this guy's, I thank you that I'm not like everybody else. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. But here's the guy that's my hero. I think we would do great to emulate him. He says, the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Can I tell you if there's any prayer, any prayer that we should know well in our hearts and lives, it's that. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Not God, look, I gave half of my cookie to that poor person. That's probably not a better prayer than God have mercy on me, a sinner. I feel like I should dwell on this. We would do really well if we all prayed this prayer a lot. Because when we stand in the presence of an amazing, holy, awesome, creator of all things God, we will not bring our list of good accomplishments. We'll do best just to go, whoa, could you be merciful to me, God? And here's the deal with the story. This man, the one who says, Lord, have mercy on me, I got problems. That's the one who goes home justified before God. God appreciates, yes, he appreciates our effort to be holy and work on things. We should do that, but that's not this talk right now. He loves it when we're just being real with him about our stuff. So, this bring this idea of faking spiritual depth is not helpful. Bring it into the room with three questions that have helped me assess my own life. First one is this, am I being real with God? That's just a little fill in the blank. With a pause. Am I being to real today with God? Celebrate the joys well, you know, if something's making you happy today, be real with God. Say, man, this is so awesome. If you're struggling with something, don't fake it. Just bring it all to him. It's a great plan. By the way, he knows it all, right? There are no secrets from God. Well, I'm not going to tell him what I did last night. He already 
you did last night. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So am I being real with God? Second thing, am I being driven by people? I don't know if this is a great question, application to the, to the verse, to the text, but likely part of what's driving Ananias to do this fake spiritual depth is because the people with the real spiritual depth are getting some accolades. So when Joseph, from I think Joseph, from when Joseph, the guy in chapter 4, says, hey man, I sold this property and I'm in. There's probably some accolades and affirmation like, how cool is this? Look at what God is doing. So there could be some, likely is, in Ananias' life. He's like, I just want to be in the in crowd. I want people to think, I want people to think I'm spiritually deeper than I am. And so for us, this, this don't be driven by what other people think. Uh, this last week, I did the spiritual challenge uh, that was that's going along with the series, which was uh, go to a public place, get on your knees, and pray for our city for 15 minutes. That was hard for me. So I went, and it was morning. I thought about going like at 3 a.m. so no one would see me, but I thought that that probably wouldn't be authentic before God and blah, blah, blah. So it's about 8 o'clock in the morning, and I just went to a, a place by one of the city parks where there's a little bit of traffic, and an apartment complex was over here. So anyway, can I just tell you how helpful it was for me? Hopefully God will answer some of my prayers, but how helpful it was for me as I'm driving there to deal with my own tendency to care way too much about what people think. It was, but it was, I can't, I can't fully describe it. It was so helpful to me to, and this may not, this may sound weird, but I think it actually broke a stronghold in my life somewhat. Because while I was praying, I, I, I had the thought as people were coming out of the apartment complex, like, oh, they're probably going, what's that dude doing over there? But by God's grace, I'm like, it was okay. I'm like, morning, <laughs> praying. It was, but it just helped me. I still need work on it, but to get over worrying about what everybody else thinks about me and mostly think about, God, what do you think about me and what can I do to please you? It's a great, healthy place to be, perhaps one of the lessons from the text. Last thing, oh my, I have talked too long. Okay, we're going to fly. Am I bringing an acceptable offering? Could easily go on this. An acceptable offering. This is a really <laughs> aggressive response from God regarding this moment. Amen? Two people die. Pretty aggressive response. Part of what could be happening here is God is trying to establish a church that will change the world. Right? The church is going to change the world. 
And what's not going to change the world is fake spiritual depth and half-hearted offerings where, well, here's some, but I'm going to keep some for myself. So I'm wondering if the Lord didn't look in this context of this thing and said, I do not need that weak stuff in my house. He's making a point. I need a strong church, strong Christians, strong people willing to sacrifice, go all in to change the world. And that's not what I need right now, so... He doesn't, God probably never does that, but, but, so for me, how much, am I bringing my strength, or am I offering God weak stuff? It's a scary thought, isn't it? Raise the bar. Bring our best to God. So the first point was this tragedy came from fake spiritual depth. Second thing is it came from an invitation to sin. This is, we're going to focus on Sapphira's death now. Quick story, had a friend in high school. He didn't tell me, this was after high school. I had a friend who, we were probably 30 years old, and he told me a story of himself when he was in high school. Went out drinking, got drunk, horrible automobile accident. He's telling me the story, and and then he said, and I lived, my friend that I took with me died. I don't know if you'll go there or not. You know what makes the story worse? The bringing somebody along with that died. Like it's bad if I do something so stupid and I die. It's worse to invite somebody else into my stupidity and it affects their life. It's the invitation of other people to sin and stuff is something we really, really need to be cautious about. So in the text, most of this was Ananias, social, cultural context. This was Ananias's decision, but he brings his wife into the sin, into the fake spiritual depth. It says, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money. And then Peter says to her, is this the price that you and Ananias got for the land? It would be better for her if she had not been part of it and said, that's not the right price. Or, gosh, I didn't know we were doing that. So there's an ultra simple lesson here. Here it is. You can fill in the blank. Don't invite others into our sinful plans. That's really good advice. Have you ever thought about how common it is in our culture to when somebody gets an idea to go do something, but it's really, like, right, it's really sinful, but we just invite our friends to the party? Hey, what is, what, we're going to, hey, uh, I feel like I want to go out and go drink and not social drink. I just want to, I want to go out and get drunk. And then what do we do? Then we go, hey, hey, Joe, hey, let's all go to the thing. Is that right? This is, it's like sinfulness is, has a capacity just to invite other people. We're going to move toward sexual immorality, or I don't know, you come up, come up with your own sins, whatever it is. And then we like, like to do it. We like to have fellowship around sinful things. That's a horrible idea to be the person who's inviting fellowship around sinful things. It's really bad. It can happen with yeah, sexual immorality, with greed. Hey, I got this way. It's really not honest. But we can do this and this and this. We can make a whole bunch of money. So I thought I would invite you in. By the way, this can happen in the church with, in, in spiritual things as well. Hey, you don't really have to go to church to be a Christian. 
Come on, hey, let's go to the beach. Some of us are like, oh, wait a minute, I've done that. Right? And so we say, hey, come on, let's, what's the standard here of generosity or faithfulness or reading your Bible? Or come, and, and what we do is we decide we're going to go lower the bar for ourselves. Or we're tempted to lower the bar for ourselves. And instead, because we're uncomfortable, we just go, let's just invite everybody to our low level. And, and I'm telling you, it's a really bad idea in the eyes of God to draw people away from him. Matthew 8, 6. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble. The word can be translated sin. It's a bunch of kids in that picture. He's like, if anybody... It's one thing to sin. Don't invite these kids. Don't cause them to sin. It would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. It's a bad, bad idea to invite people, to arguably coerce people. Last, last thing, and we're going to close up. People will commonly say, wrongly, all sin's the same. Do a, good, do a good study of the Bible. There's some things that God hates more than others. This inviting, drawing other people into sin, bad. So isn't it good to study it and think about it now. So if we're doing that, we should stop that. And the next time we may be drawn or it's a tempting moment, we would just do well. Can we just kind of like up our own game? And I hope that we just won't say, well, I'll just go do it by myself. That's what. But can we instead have enough love for people to at least quit pulling them down with us? Last fill in the blank. Am I setting myself up for a tragic moment by promoting sin in another's life? Am I setting myself up for a tragic moment by promoting sin in another's life? Now before we rush out of here, I want to ask for a couple more minutes so that we would just pause here, can we put the, 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 the last, the summary points up on the screen? This tragedy came from fake spiritual depth and invitation. This message for me, this kind of a talk, consistently makes me run to Jesus and be the guy who says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Anybody relate? Anybody feel at least a little conviction about how we're doing our life? And so here is an opportunity for us. Maybe you've never done this ever. Or maybe it's a weekend where you again recommit to Jesus Christ and your need for his activity in your life. This is a great weekend to again say, Jesus, I need a savior. I am hopeless without you. Even with you, I tend to screw things up at times. And it's just this invitation. God, I need your help and mercy, and just be real with him.
Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.